If you live that far north, why would you ever build a stadium that doesn't have a roof? So part of it is that... um, Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. I'm back this week on the show, Galaxy S24 Fever. Uh, it's a very mild yeah, fever. I was going to say, it's, it's only about going to the uh, hospital for a low it's temperature. Not, it's not not above a hundred, but uh, but it's there. You're feeling a little sick. You you're not sure if it's COVID or just the flu. It's just the body telling you to just go take a nap. Mm. Yeah, you're drinking immunity tea. You're watching your favorite episode of The Office or Friends. Yes, it's mm. it's just like it's one of those fevers that. You're not like out for the count. You're 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 happily sitting on the couch watching your favorite show. So something that you can fall asleep and then wake back up and not have missed anything. <laughs> yeah, like a critical role episode four thousand eight hundred and seventy three. <laughs> hey guys, I'm just gonna put this transcript in as my intro to the review next week. Is that okay? Is that fine? <laughs> That's perfect. Honestly, <laughs> sure. Mm. Cool. All right, we got Will Saddleberg, R. Hey. Wagner. How are you? I missed you guys. Yeah, missed yeah, you too. Yeah, we missed you. It's it's been a month. I feel like you would have had fun things to say last week with all of the crap that was at CES. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I apologize. I mean, I we took the week off after uh, Christmas or for the last week of the year. We didn't have a show the first week of the year. We, we just had some timing issues. Uh, so Jules, in his infinite awesomeness, yep. put together a Stadia <clears throat> clip show, which I loved, yeah. and it was fascinating hearing everybody's thoughts of stadia like way back when in 2019 and then when it closed down in early 23 it was like the whole spectrum of the life and death of a google service right really really sad ultimately (laughs) as most google services are and then last week i couldn't be on the show again but you guys held down the fort had a show all about ces will i mean i would love to just hear from your I, I'm assuming not as tired mouth this year yeah. or yeah. this week. Like, how was the show for you? Um, really overwhelming in a in a way that I don't think I was prepared for. Just because I was like, well, I've done MWC. Like, I'll it's just going to be that. But like, for more than just smartphones or or, or smartphone focused things, and I was still not prepared for like the fact that it is it is truly like all of Vegas taken over by by like just hopping from one hotel to another to the convention center to another hotel. And then you're like, Oh, it's four o'clock and I haven't eaten today, which happened to me three days. There were three days where I didn't eat until like between two and 4 PM because I was just swamped. Yeah. So, so overwhelming. I'd love to go back. I had a good time. I think Taylor and I had a really fun, but exhausting time exploring like as, as much of all of the show floors as we could. But yeah, what a weird true I, I don't think I was prepared for how weird it can get. I, I think is really where I'm at. It's so funny because you say in one breath like overwhelming, exhausting. Yeah. And then in the other, I want to go back. I would do it again in a heartbeat. I would do it again. It's yeah. interesting. It's it it good. I always felt that way. And and th- then I didn't, yeah. right? Like I the last time I was there was 2020. It was the the beginning, the earliest mentions of COVID right. were hitting us during uh, the coronavirus, as it was called back in early 2020. <laughs> right. And I haven't been since. I was always hopeful that once the pandemic ended, they would redesign CES to be a bit more accessible in a way, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's so inaccessible. Vegas is so difficult to navigate 
It's just not a walkable city at all. And I don't know, man, like there was a couple of years of like this, I mean, one was on, one year was online only. The other couple of years were like hybrid online, right? And I think last year was the first year that it was back fully. And I would assume nobody in Vegas this year wore masks or were protecting themselves from getting sick in any meaningful way. Uh, very few. Very few. I did mask on the plane to and from primarily because I'm pretty sure. So I, I took a, a personal trip out to Austin in December, and I'm pretty sure I caught like a, a minor cold on one of those flights. And so I was like, well, I'll just mask. I'll, I'll take masks for the show floor if I decide to wear them, but I'll, I'll definitely mask on the plane because I'm pretty sure I caught something. And I'm really glad I did that because I, <laughs> I sat next to a woman on the way there who I, I am pretty sure had pneumonia. <laughs> Like, I'm pretty sure Jeez. like like she was coughing like heavy every like 20 to 30 seconds for the entire, you know, four and a half hour flight from Buffalo to Vegas. So I was like, all right, cool. Made the right choice doing that. But yeah, other than on the plane, I didn't mask. And I don't know. It's a gamble either way. Right. Like I, I got the booster a few months ago, so I'm sure uh, I have some amount of immunity from that, although there's new variants and it's it's I'm certainly in the in the starting to wane period. I, I bring it up not to talk about covid, but more to say that, like, it's, it's very back, different. Yeah. Everything's the same. Yeah, I would say it's so. very yeah. much like nobody wants to acknowledge that CES is any different yeah. or evolved in any meaningful way than it was pre pandemic, which exactly. I'm a little disappointed about. I think it's interesting that there were a lot of off the books briefings at CES this year. Like, I think the trend is that companies are launching their products earlier and earlier in the year now. And they're using CES as a way to get as many people in one place as possible for their briefings. And that was always the case for CES related or CES adjacent product launches. But like, you did a content capture for the S24 in Vegas. And I find that interesting that, you know, Google did some interesting stuff in Vegas this year. It felt like there were companies are rediscovering that they can actually launch products that get into consumers' hands in Vegas during CES, rather than LG launching an OLED TV that's going to come out in May and Sony showing off a car that's not ever going to be released, right? CES is always big picture, long-term horizon yeah. stuff. Yeah, Taylor and I walked past, I don't remember if it was the Sony one. It might have been, I think it was the LG one. And we walked past the LG booth and they had some dumb car, some dumb concept car out of, I don't know, like Spielberg's Minority Report, you know, a vision of the future. And I'm like, it, it was like swamped with people trying to take photos. And I'm like, yeah, like I don't, I guess you can take photos of a car that'll never come out. And like one of the LG PR people was like right next to me and I didn't know that. And they heard me like kind of making fun of it. And they were like, Android, please, huh? Never heard of you guys. And I was like, all right, you know what? That's fair. That's uh, you got us. You got us good. That's that's fair. This car is definitely still not like a real thing. And you're just you just built a thing to put on a, a booth that a bunch of people can take photos of. But you know what? You got me. good. That's the point of a concept car, though. It's made to look pretty and draw interest in the hope that maybe someday something similar will come out. Well, mm. in, in LG's case, it was to show off their their like whatever technology they had put into the into the inside of the car, which is fine, I guess. But again, like, is any of that stuff ever going to come to a real car? I uh, don't know. I'd probably not. So we were at the LG booth for all of two minutes. The reality is that CES is a car show. 
right? It, it yeah. has been a car show for a very long time. It's a TV show. Google had cars. And it's a car show. Uh, it and was like one of the few things we didn't get to check out at the Google booth because it was just too... The key, and I, I wrote about it in our booth right up, but the queue was just too long to check out their like new car features for, for auto and for, for automotive, for, for, for um, cars running Google apps. But I mean, yeah, I mean, that was probably one of the more exciting things they had. So, you know, yeah, it's, it is a car, at the very least, a car adjacent show. And this year it was an AI show. Well, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, you want to talk about the rabbit. It, you, you said in our pre show, you want to talk about the rabbit. So we should just, that was my way of getting segue us right into the, the yeah, exactly. I mean, I, okay, so there were two keynotes, right? There was a pre recorded one that the CEO, whose name escapes me right now, presented. It was very Apple esque in its minimalism. And then there was like a, a presentation to journalists. And I think what's really obvious here is that this hardware exists so that the company can have something to show its software platform on, right? It had the option of creating the large action model idea on an iPhone or an Android phone or on some like co-opting somebody else's smartphone-like experience, or it could create its own piece of hardware and call it like a companion. But the announcement today, as we're recording this, or sorry, yesterday, as um, we're recording this on Friday, was that they're going to launch in a partnership with Perplexity AI. So Perplexity is a really interesting company because it uses GPT-4 Turbo and pulls in data separately from search to create what is essentially an AI-powered search engine. And it's very good. It's better than ChatGPT is as a search engine because even with GPT-4 Turbo, you only get access to, I think, up to March of 2023 data. And it's designed as a search engine. So this really kind of shows what Rabbit's going after. For your investment of $200, you get the hardware and you get a year of Perplexity AI Pro, which is $20 a month. It's a good value if you're purchasing that subscription anyway. But I find it fascinating that the people that have glommed onto this, which if you haven't heard the show or you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a small piece of hardware. It looks kind of like a Playdate, like the, the game console that came out a, a couple of years ago. Uh, it's red. It has a scroll wheel and a 360-degree camera. It has vertically oriented OLED display and a button. And that's it. You ask it questions using your voice. It will book a trip to Ireland for you without you knowing what the hell it's doing. You say, like, order my favorite pizza, and it'll order you pineapple on your pizza. The more it gets to know you, there's a web-based interface where you log into connected services like Uber and DoorDash and presumably Pizza Hut or whatever the hell. And then you just ask it questions, and it gives you answers very quickly through, as we now know, the Perplexity AI API. But the more that I've looked into this and the more that I try to understand it, the more I think that the only reason there's hardware here is because this would not be a conversation unless there was hardware. And that is so sad to me, right? That there is such an entrenched duality of hardware dominance. Not only that, but like, there's hardware and software dominance through Apple and Google or Samsung and Apple, 
right? Like pick your poison, depending on the layer that you're talking about. That like no company has any chance of breaking in unless they have their own hardware product. And as good as this hardware looks, I don't think people want to carry around a second thing. Well, I mean, and, and we talked a little bit about it last week, but that's the big issue is that it's like, I'm confused why I would want this in my pocket, like next to my phone when I already, and like, this is a me issue, but I already have like at least two phones on me usually. And so it's just a third thing. But at the same time, like I'm the person who's shouting from the rooftops that I want dedicated hardware for specific things. If, if, if Spotify or even Apple or, or whatever, if, if, if I could buy a dedicated, I'm going to call it an MP3 player, but an MP3 player for the streaming age of music that like, specifically had to be first it had it has to have a screen it has to be first party so that it's like is actually supported but like i would do that i would carry around a third thing just to like for for the novelty of it basically and i'm kind of into the idea of that with the rabbit the bigger issue for me if spotify made an mp3 player tomorrow i'd be like i get why i would want this or like i get at least like why my sick brain wants it but like when i go to rabbit and they're like it can it can order you an uber i'm like so can my phone. And they're like, no, no, no. But this, it does it with an LA with it, with a large action model. And I'm like, okay, I, I have an app. That's, <laughs> I don't know why I'm carrying this. At the same time, when I give in a little bit to the argument that the CEO was, was making, yeah. um, and his name is Jesse Liu talking about how we have single serving apps for everything, right? We have an Uber app. We have a Domino's app. We have a Google maps or we have DoorDash. We have, you know, this, every, everything we have, a, we have Spotify, we have Kindle, like everything is in its own little box. And really ideally what you want is to say, I want to do X and then have the thing figure out the best way to do that. Right. So I don't know if you subscribe to Uber and DoorDash and another ordering platform and you're like, I want Korean food, you know, find me the best Korean food in the area. It's like, all right, I'll choose the restaurant, but I'll also choose the service for you that's going to give you the lowest price with the fastest delivery. I mean, to me, like abstracting away that layer, I don't care if I order from Uber or Sport or DoorDash, like they're the exact same service. What I care about is the food. I care about the experience, right? So there's the potential there for a choice made on our behalf to, I guess, eliminate that interaction layer and that if you trust it enough, it can potentially be a more enjoyable experience. At the same time, like I can't tell you the last time I ordered pizza and I didn't care about the place that I was getting the pizza from. So if yeah. I just say, order me pizza, there are so many layers to that decision. Yeah, cheese, that- sauce. <laughs> But it's it's not just that. It's right. It's like where are you? How far away from you oh, yeah. are? No, no. Are, for, for, how far away from the place are you? What kind of pizza do you want? Exactly. Like if I just want like a pep and cheese, that is, I'm probably ordering from a different place than if I want like a Neapolitan style place that like is a that's a very different vibe than just like pepperoni and cheese. Like maybe the rabbit at a certain point is able to be like is is maybe it's just asking you those questions at a certain point. But, but well, it then, is asking you at the beginning. But yeah. then eventually the goal is to get you to say, just order me the pizza that I like, order me my pizza, right. order me my favorite pizza. Domino's keeps bugging me every time I use the app to log what my easy order is. It like mm. will not shut up about my easy order. Think about how fast you could order pizza if you did that. But that's the thing. I don't need to order it that quickly. because You I'm, could save seconds. I, I, I'll go back to the, the example that they made about like, I want to book a trip for my family to 
Ireland and I just want this rabbit to book it for me. Like in a, in a million years, there's no way that I would let them just book me a trip, right? Um, it, it's just, it's not going to happen. Not that way, at least. Yeah. I love to hear y'all talk about this product, but at some point we're going to talk about Galaxy, right? No, I have nothing to say about this phone. <laughs> like, I truly, I'm very stressed out about my review next week because I have nothing to say. Like, I, I, we can't, like, yes, the, the answer is yes, we can pivot to the S24, but this is a deeply boring launch that is built for people who are on three-year upgrade plans that are just going to be pushed from an S21 to an S24. And... I, you either you know if you're buying it or not. The only thing to really talk about is the AI stuff, which I guess is a good enough segue. Hang on, I'm not, I'm not, like, I'm not done yet. I'm that, gonna, I'm fine. gonna we, rant. For, we, we, we don't have rant to be done. I'm just, I'm just answering Ara. The answer is like, yes, we we will yes, talk we about will, it. Ab- we'll absolutely, we will provide timestamps if the people don't want to hear the first 20 minutes of this. But I think I spent most of the winter break trying to use my phone less. Sure. Right, I get, I gave myself time limits on all the social apps. I'm spending as little time doing the things that waste time on my phone as as possible mm-hmm. but i'm still spending the same amount of time on my phone i'm spending it reading i'm spending it listening to audiobooks i'm spending it involved in other things and every time something comes out that's meant to be a companion to your phone i wonder if it will ever get us to the point where we are actually spending less time on our phone and the goal with all of these products is to do that so that's just the way that I'm thinking about this and the humane AI pin and the light phone and everything else. So I, I like that idea. But again, I, I think I think focusing all of this stuff in AI is like a huge mistake because at the end of the day, all of that stuff is going to have to talk to the apps that you have in your phone anyway. I know humane is designed specifically to not, you know, like, like the rabbit works with your phone. Humane's pin really kind of does not. Right. It has its own cell connection. The, the rabbit that's optional, stuff like that. But like, I'm more excited about the idea of like, maybe Amazon can make a a new Kindle, a new good Kindle, because for whatever reason, they like wait years to put out, you know, a new paperweight or whatever. Or again, like the the concept of like, what if we just brought MP3 players back, but for, for cloud streaming, like I'm down with specific devices. I think that would honestly be really healthy in a way that like, it's so easy for me to be like, I'm going to put on a podcast so that I can beat my record of 31 days <laughs> of, of listening from last year. <laughs> that piddly number that turned out to be. Yeah, exactly. It, but, 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 you know, when I pick up the phone to do that, like, it's very easy for me to be like, and I'll just check Twitter for five minutes, right? I also spent the winter break trying to use my phone less. Uh, and the thing that was I was most successful in doing that was in spending very chill nights instead of like laying on the couch with the TV on on my phone. It was like I I, I got a, a Lego set and I was building that Lego set for like several nights in a row. And I was I didn't look at my phone like at all for like three hours at a time because I had 250 Lego pieces in front of me at a time. That's it. That's how, that's how we solve the problem of well, phone addiction. It, 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 Everybody it needs to get addicted to Lego. I mean, I mean, genuinely, I got a really good deal on this set, is all I'll say. It was on clearance. But, like, realistically, I'm, I'm saying that, like, anything that keeps me from picking up my phone, if it is a dedicated thing, I'm using Legos as, as an example, but again, if I picked up a thing that was just designed to play music and podcasts, then I can't check Twitter on it, or I can't waste time going through Instagram stories, or whatever. You don't need AI to do that. It's just the gimmick that all of these companies are chasing currently. And and 
I think AI is much more of a reality than, than something like NFTs, but still, it is the gimmick of the day, right? And I don't know. Like, I'm here for dedicated devices. I just don't think they need to be AI-focused. Okay, so let's move and talk about the S24 line. All right, you've not said anything. It's probably the smart move, given how dumb this podcast has been so far. I've just, <laughs> y'all, you two have passion, and I've just been letting you go. Let's I've, talk I've about the S24. Mm. How do you feel about it? What's, what's your initial impression? Are you aligned with Will on on his thoughts of ambivalence, more or less. I'm going to get yelled at. <laughs> eh, I'm not feeling very yelly at the moment. But, no, no, uh, not by you. I'm going to get yelled <laughs> at by people who are, who are frustrated with me being like, who cares? Like, I don't know. Yeah, but that's going to happen either way. But for the Galaxy S24 series, yes, it's super freaking iterative. There is no, uh, The way I feel about the Galaxy S24 is the same way I felt about the Galaxy Watch 6. Everything special about this phone is coming to the old ones. But there's just enough of the hardware difference to where if you were buying a phone right now, if you have the Ultra that is still being sold at like $1,000 and you have the Ultra that's 1300 it really does come down to whether or not, okay, do you want to pay your bleeding edge tax or do you want to just go with something that's a little bit more affordable? And the only thing that puts it in favor of the new one is the seven years of updates. Yeah. You're not wrong. I, I do want to say that I read, an, I mean, this is recency bias, but and I, I love being influenced by the latest thing I've read, but friend of the show, personal friend, Andrew Martinick, former colleague of yours, Ara, as well as mine, yep. he did an interview. He's this now current EIC of Digital Trends. He did an interview with uh, uh, RJ Rowe, who's the, sorry, DJ Rowe, who's the uh, current head of mobile for Samsung. The guy was very frank about the state of smartphones. And he said, we're just trying to release a better version of the last thing we released. We're not trying to blow minds anymore. That's really not the business model. And if you look at how it's done, Motorola said this years and years ago, and it's always stuck with me that like everything that gets released on the flagship eventually trickles down to the cheap $200 phone. The Moto X was the technology giant, and then the Moto G got that thing two or three years later, right? When it was commoditized. And I think it's interesting that it's true. Like at the high end, the S24 lineup, especially the Ultra, super iterative, more so than ever. And yet the fact that they are using it as the introduction for all of these AI features that will eventually be on the Galaxy A19 in like three years is great, right? It may, it, it quote, democratizes access to all of these features. And if you really want to spend $1,300 on a phone, you can, or you can wait and spend $200 on the same thing, slightly reduced functionality, but ultimately the same thing. That's great. But it also, as you said in your piece, Will, like it exposes Samsung's identity crisis because this is a company that's trying to differentiate its products on the software side, and it controls none of that software. What AI features are you excited about? What makes you say it's great that this is the phone those are launching on that'll be on the A19 in, in five, four years? I am curious because I've been playing around with them, and I'm not saying they're not good, but I'm also saying that I don't know if anything here is exciting. I don't think it necessarily needs to be super exciting for it to be a useful AI feature. Although, I don't know yeah, if anything here is really useful. Is what I, I would say. I would say that the Samsung recorders, like the, the Pixel recorder ripoff stuff and being able to actually provide summaries at the end of recordings 
will yeah, be like nice. if they work on them and they get them to a place where they're better because i will say and i wrote about this i wrote a hands-on with it like the ai summaries are much better than google's because they're not on device i think that's the big limitation google's dealing with right now is that it really wants to use gemini nano to do this stuff but gemini nano just is not powerful enough to provide anything useful and so you end up with a limitation of only between one and 15 minute recordings and it gives you three bullet points of like really generic stuff versus I recorded 20 minutes of a YouTube video yesterday and it was able to break that into, to to be honest, too long of a summary, but at least it was like summarizing with like H2s and breaking down like exactly what was being talked about. And that's good. My biggest issue that I really didn't put in the piece because it's more of an opinion thing, but I, I, I don't know if I trust Samsung to continue building on these AI features. I think they'll do more AI features. Like I, I think next year we will see a whole slate of additional AI features on the Galaxy S25, but I don't trust them to like put the work in to make this one better. And a promising start is fine, but it's only good if like, I think Google is going to continue working on its AI features and I don't feel that way about Samsung's. And so if they're all just okay right now or like a good start, I, I don't know where that goes. You know, when they trickle down to the A19 in four years, you're going to be like, yeah, that, oh, right. Yeah, you could do that. That, you know, I tried it once and it was okay, but it, it got enough wrong that I, I didn't try it again. And I just, I just maybe am a little too cynical about it, but I, I don't see them iterating on it enough. Well, I have two frames of thought here. And the first one is, I don't want AI on Samsung to end up like good luck, where it's like, okay, there's an interesting little toolbox of features, but none of these are going to be like ever mainstream within the Samsung experience. And we're all just eventually going to stick them in a drawer and leave them to rot. That's not going to happen. These are are front and center. These are front and center on this phone. You go into settings and you hit your Samsung account thing and like there's a whole menu of artificial intelligence options they want you to know about. Like it's it is the thing with this phone. But you just said you go in and go into the settings and it's a menu. Yeah. Good luck is an app you have to download from the Galaxy store. Yeah. The other thing I have with the AI is I feel like not all of the fun AI stuff is powered by Samsung. Like the thing that uh, excited me, the two things that excited me the most were the Samsung recorder, uh, circle to search and the uh, Android auto update. And both of those were Google (laughs) and not Samsung. Like yes. most of the Samsung stuff outside of the camera, I was just like, okay, cool, I guess. Yeah. If I remember to use it. It's also really important to contextualize what we are calling Galaxy AI here. Because as we know with a lot of Samsung products or a lot of Samsung apps and services, some of it's developed in house, but a lot of it relies on third party APIs, right? This is particularly true of all of these AI features. Every single thing that is called Galaxy AI is powered by Google's LLMs. So Samsung and Google, they released a press release at the same time as the S24 series was announced saying that Samsung is a customer of Google's and is therefore able to access Gemini Nano on the local side and Gemini Pro and Gemini Ultra. In fact, as part of the press release, it says Samsung is also one of the first customers to test Gemini Ultra. As we talked about in a previous show, when Gemini replaced all of the previous LLMs as the small, medium, large size LLMs that are powering Google services, 
it was intimated that Google would then seek out external customers for these products, right, to monetize them. The same way that OpenAI is doing for GPT. And this is really interesting because a lot of the features that we're seeing on Samsung phones are very similar to what we're seeing on the Pixels. Almost identical in many ways, right? right? Magic editor with slightly different limitations. There's the predictive text and messages. There's the recorder features. All of these are powered by Google. It's just, it's a bigger canvas because the Pixel phones are limited right now to Gemini Nano and some Gemini Pro stuff. And Samsung just has a much bigger market. I think it undermines this idea that like Samsung is creating these bespoke experiences for customers because they're not. They're leveraging Google. They're paying Google a ton of money for this I, stuff. I, agreed. I, 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 my broader concern is as much as Gemini Pro will continue to get better, if Google creates, you know, let's call it Gemini 2 Pro or whatever, a next gen LLM, right? Is, is Samsung going to switch to that or is this just what this will always be on, right? Like that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about support. And then on the other side, if we're coming back to the identity crisis conversation, like even this stuff, even the stuff that Samsung is, this is their entire booth at CES was dedicated to Galaxy AI. The entire announcement is about AI, all of this stuff, right? It's not about the hardware. The hardware is what you saw last year, but a little different. It's about AI. And also most of it is powered through this partnership with Google and so again, it's like, what even is Samsung? Like the software is all like half Samsung, half Google. The, the, the AI is all half Sam- Samsung, half Google. Like what is this company's identity? Why should I be excited about it? If the hardware is boring and the software is stuff that I will probably see different versions of on Pixel phones. Like I just don't, I don't know what is here to get people into carrier stores beyond, oh, my 36 months are up. Time to go trade this S21 in and get an S24. That is it. That's it. And I think there's an expectation right now that AI should be a part of the conversation, right? From a marketing perspective, Google certainly leaned into it. Apple will almost certainly lean into it next year. And I think has dodged a bullet to some extent because of so many of the underwhelming early AI integrations, right? But at the same time, Google is talking to us about what powers the AI, and they're talking to the customers about the individual experiences that AI gives you. And Samsung is doing the same thing. I just don't think the message is nearly as effective. And we're not going to see people respond to it as positively as we did with Google because Samsung doesn't have a reputation for providing high quality software experiences. There's no delight there. Right. I I think this ties into a bunch of news stories from the last several months. This week, like literally right before the S24 launched, Apple passed Samsung as the top smartphone manufacturer in the in, in uh, on a global scale, right? Correct? That I'm not misremembering the story, yes. right? Yeah. yeah uh, which globally. is which is obviously huge. Those numbers that we spent way too much time talking about last year about teenage adoption of smartphones and how it's like 90% of teenagers are choosing iPhones. Google has such a small market share of Android hardware adoption in the U.S. and and globally that it's it's really you know Samsung's game to lose. And if Samsung has adopted this attitude of who cares about the hardware, it's you know it's nice enough. We're just, we'll make the necessary changes we have to make. Look, it's got a flat screen now. You guys wanted the, remember remember curved screens? Old news. Don't worry about the fact that we did that. 
that we made that trend. It's good enough hardware. You'll like it. It's got, we, we can say it's got titanium in it now. It's all about the software that also we're developing with Google that you can get very similar experiences in other hardware. To me, it's just there's no excite. There's nothing to drive an Apple person to consider switching to Samsung. It just feels like that company exists. They're doing things in the corner or whatever, but like they're they're reliant on every single they're reliant on insert other company here to like, you know, even for like marketing. I feel like I see way more carrier ads marketing Samsung than I do samsung's own ads it's like this is just it feels those like are a- samsung ads though that's it yeah yeah i think you i mean look i i don't necessarily disagree with you but i also think that you're being very cynical about i this. said i might be being too cynical i might be yeah. too um, cynical yeah and and that's okay I, I think it's it's probably deserved in many ways this is an Android podcast after all. Well, okay, okay, okay. Let me be let me be let me be optimistic. I think last year was a really good year for Android phones. I I think it was a better year than 2022. I think we saw a lot of exciting hardware. I think the Pixel 8 series is by far is, is Google's best phones yet. I think the OnePlus Open was like completely reinvigorated foldables for me and like really was the first time I felt like a big screen foldable was something I actually wanted to use. I think Motorola's lineup of hardware is excellent. I, I'm dying to see them. Please just like, please push out Android 14 updates to your smartphones. Like I, I, I'm going to have a harder time recommending them this year after you said that like you were promising this, these, these software policies and like, yes, you, you've stuck to your bi-monthly security patch, but you are not bringing Android 14 to things like the Razer. Lots of good stuff happening, and that's ignoring all of the Chinese OEMs where we're seeing a lot of real innovation. It's just stuff that doesn't come over here except for through OnePlus because of Oppo. It's just Samsung is like the giant in the room that is also just asleep now, and it's killing me because it's like, you guys like have the lead. You you could be pushing forward on so much in terms of both hardware and software. There's so much work they could do on One UI six or seven or whatever One UI in general that they haven't. They just refuse to like fix things that have been broken forever or or frustrating forever. And it is really annoying to sit there and watch them go, "Hey guys, the S twenty four Ultra is thirteen hundred dollars this year. We think it's worth a hundred dollars <laughs> more than last year." And it's like, why? Yeah. They're like, because is je- multiple generations at 1200 and we think it's just that much better than it used to be. I don't see $1,300 worth of value here. Certainly not compared to what Google's doing on their $1,000 flagship. Certainly not compared to what I would almost argue, like, I still think how Apple used titanium feels better in the hand. And, 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 and Apple's use of titanium actually made their phones lighter, which is not what, I mean, the, the this phone is like two grams lighter than last year's. They didn't even use titanium for, and, and part of that is they were using aluminum and not stainless steel, but like they didn't even bring the weight down, which was the benefit of titanium. So it just feels even more like a marketing word. It, it's, this is not like an Android, like I'm cynical towards Android hardware on an, an Android podcast. I'm cynical towards like Samsung's complete ambivalence towards like actually improving their products. I agree with 90% of that. The only thing I will say is if Samsung itself is going to acknowledge that we're just trying to make like a slightly better version of our old phone, please, for the love of God, just pick a design and stick with it so we don't have to buy new cases every year. Because the Galaxy S24 and the Galaxy S23 technically fit in the same case, and some of them might even be reusable. The only thing they moved was the flash on the back of the phone. 
Everything else is the same. Can I tell you my 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 take on the Ultra specifically? Well, you know, I guess the other two phones, but really the Ultra specifically because, and this will be in my review. It's not going to be in the 48 hours with that I'm writing currently or will finish after this podcast, but they sent, as far as I can tell, basically all reviewers, the titanium gray version, the, the, the silver phone that is supposed to look like the natural titanium iPhone, basically, right? Like it's that titanium inspired colorway. Um, and, and we can joke about the gender neutral comment uh, they made on stage if we want to as well. Uh, oh, I missed that. But, what, what, um, what, did, what did they say? Oh, they said their phones are offered an array of gender neutral colors because that's a conversation we have to have in, mm. in, in 2024. Excuse me. If, 2024. if we start on that, I will be here for another it, hour. It's and very, a half. it's deeply <laughs> stupid. It was a deeply stupid thing. But I was looking at it and I'm like, making it in this all gray metal like design, it, it really makes this phone more than anything look like a reference design. This, this phone is lacking in any character at all. You look at a pixel. And it's got the camera bar and it immediately has an identity and it's recognizable. And you're like, it's got character. You look at an iPhone and like for better or worse, it's got that either diagonal camera alignment or the triple right in a stovetop almost type way. And it's got the notch or a dynamic island. And you're like, there's character there. And then you look at this and it's like just a gray slab of glass and and aluminum with like a bunch of cameras thrown on the back. They used to have that very stylized camera bump and they got rid of it. And even it's it's just like it it in this colorway specifically, it like just looks like it looks like a phone like Qualcomm would make to show off like the Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 that would have like a basic Qualcomm logo on the back. There's nothing here for anyone to grab onto and get excited about. There's nothing here for people to recognize that this is oh my god, like is that the new Samsung phone? Like it's missing that spark and it has been for a couple of generations now and they keep leaning like even further away from having some kind of like recognizable thing in their design and i think it's really going to screw like they're it's only going to put people towards buying phones from other companies because people want stuff that stands out at this point like i i think that's the reason you've seen slowly but surely the pixel grab more attention i you know it's the reason that like Apple continues to try to like make new colors, even if their iPhone 15 colors are, are bad. But I don't know. I'm looking at this phone and and it's not bad. I'm enjoying using it, but it also is just completely lacking in like any kind of spark or character that makes that I think would make anyone excited about it. Yeah. And I, 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 I just think there's nothing to be excited about really in phones. Like that's okay. It's a, it's a conversation that we've had I, I for a long time. I think there kind of is, though. Like, yeah. I think there was last year. It's just, it's it, this is a uniquely in like, this form Samsung factor, problem. though. Like, is there a single phone that doesn't fold that one would say there is that there was a spark? I I still in I was pretty excited about the the Pixel Eight and the Pixel Eight Pro. Mm-hmm. But why? In terms of design, they're very similar. Specs, features, like very similar to the previous devices. I would say Google actually did wrong by its user base in not backporting as many AI features as Samsung is promising to do, right? To the, fact to, that, to the 7 series? Yeah, I mean, to the 7, 6, yeah. right? Like, the fact that they do everything on device in the name of privacy, which is, I would say, admirable, but it's a decision, it's a product decision that has implications for customer satisfaction. Because what it means is that the more you put on device, you have to shore up the smaller LLMs, 
over time, the Pixel 8 will be less capable than the 9, that, 10, 11, 12, whereas Samsung, by putting so much of its compute on the cloud, is ensuring that cheaper phones will get access to these features. I actually think that's, there's, there's something very Samsung about yeah, that. Yeah, I, 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 you know? I don't want to get excited for $200 phones from four years from now until, until those exist. But yes, I, I agree with you that, you know, there, that is the advantage. And that's what I wrote about with the, with the, the recorder is that that's the advantage of not doing everything on device is that, you know, you're going to be able to lend more power to the phone and bring it to lower end devices over time whenever you decide to do that. Although you might be paying for it by then. We'll, we'll see. Because uh, they're saying these are free through 20, the end of 2025, which that value is not there right now. Like maybe it is at the end of 2025, but, but I, I cannot see paying any amount of money for, for anything they launch this week. Look, I think right now AI is the buzzword. A lot of companies are investing in it. I think it's funny what is happening at companies like Meta, where they've pivoted, I would say, three times in significant ways with massive implications for its workforce over the last three years, right? Since rebranding to Meta and going all in on the metaverse, they've then pulled back on that significantly. Well, they, they, they succeeded. They, released- they succeeded in their goals, and so they switched again. Right. Sorry, I forgot we're in the metaverse right yeah. now. <laughs> and then they went back to their core assets. They launched threads there. And it's not to say that they're not trying to do all of these things in parallel, but they're not. I mean, not really. The number of people that have been laid off from Reality Labs over the last two years is staggering. Then they went last year back to just focusing on Instagram and threads and Facebook and the advertising business. And now today, Zuckerberg's like, hey, we're, we may not open source Llama 3. We're hiring like crazy on the AI side. We're really going deep on building our, our, our own LLM. We're just focused on AI. And that sounds good because that's what Sam Altman wants for everybody. But yeah, you're right. Like what I mean, I agree that none of the features that are on the S24 series stand out as being super useful. I mean, I might use a couple of them every once in a while, just like I do on the Pixel 8. But I use an iPhone most of the time and I don't miss not having AI features. I have access to all the apps. ChatGPT is on my phone if I need it. Perplexity AI is on my phone if I need it. Well, that's just what know. an Apple shield. My life say. is fine without it, with, without all these features. That's the other issue is that, and and I mean, the Samsung PR team even kind of, they certainly didn't disagree with me when I said this during my content capture is that AI and mobile AI specifically, but really AI in general is, is, is in its, um, let's just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks stage. And we'll see. I mean, th- these are questions that won't be answered for years, right? So we have to wait for that. But at the moment, you know, if you're looking at these phones and you're like, I have an S23 Ultra, should I upgrade? Like my answer is like hard no. And can I say, you know, what's really interesting. We have not talked about the cameras once on this thing. I just, I just think that's fascinating. We don't, who cares really? Like they're barely changed. If it, I don't think there's any meaningful hardware changes in the smaller ones. And the biggest one on the Ultra is a drop back to 5x from 10x with with a lens that or a sensor that they're saying is better. Uh, I have to test that out for the review. But like AI has, you know, we've spent years talking about how phones are basically just cameras now, and the the biggest changes come in the cameras, and that was like not even really talked about that much this year. Like that's not a thing that Samsung is even like pretending to like care as much about on on the on the S series. I don't know. Like it's it's 
this feels more buzzwordy than ever these mm-hmm. phones and and i think that's just interesting i think samsung's cameras are just not good anymore like hey can i tell can i tell you please these cameras have motion problems yes yep. of course they do because why wouldn't they like well i asked at my content capture if they had worked on that and i was told yes of course they, uh, they said the same thing last year <laughs> and the year before and and uh i took pictures of both of my cats uh doing cat things both sitting just kind of lightly moving around and they all came out blurry um and zkd shout out i know he's listening was like oh just turn off this like obscure feature in the camera settings and i don't know how you would ever it, it, it you would never it's the scene optimizer i think is what he told me to turn off and i don't know how you would ever find it if, if you didn't have ckd telling you in your dms to, to turn it off so i'm gonna try it with that disabled but um it will not fix it it did the, it won't the fix same, it and even the if same it does, recommendation it's was default. made last year yeah exactly it, it it's it's they need to they need to do something about this because you know uh no other phone company is really struggling with motion as hard as them i'm going to a sabers game tomorrow where i'm going to really test this camera and it's going to be a mess here's what i will say if somebody tells you who they are believe them mm-hmm. like samsung keeps telling us every year that they are trying to fix the motion blur, pl- blur problem it's the only company on the planet that releases phones with a motion blur problem every year you don't yeah. need to disable some obscure menu setting to fix a problem. They are making this decision. These cameras are not good. I don't care what you say. Outdoors, they're fine. But this is a massive sensor, right? These are not small sensors. When I manually increase, when I, when I take over, like I had the S23 Ultra, I would take a photo of my kid in a ambiently lit room, you know, at 4 p.m. in the it, 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 like it wasn't blaring bright outside, but you were getting some some natural light, some some uh, ambient light from the from from the ceiling. It would be the noisiest shit you've ever seen at like <laughs> ISO five thousand. Like if you if you if you if you set the shutter speed to like one over ninety, which should prevent shutter blur, and ramp up ISO. The photo is unusable. It's not even usable. The photo's too well, dark. It's blurry and it's grainy. It's just a bad sensor. I don't know what is going on with Samsung. You do the same thing on the Pixel. You do the same thing on an iPhone, especially on a phone like the Find X6 Pro or X7 Ultra, anything from Xiaomi, anything from OnePlus, like you're fine. So this is a decision and I, I refuse to take Samsung's word that they are working on it because they're not. Can I say that that was the one hope I had out of the S24 camera when it got here was please let all of the AI touch up whatever, let it help with fixing the motion. Because I know that uh, somebody commented on the skin touch up thing for the AI during the launch event. But if this thing can't even use AI to help with making a picture clear after it is blurry, which is a major thing for a Samsung camera, what else are we doing with the AI that's supposed to mean anything? I mean, l- l- that's that's a completely separate thing, right? Like you're supposed to take a blurry photo and then have some post-processing filter fix it? No, 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 no. You you take your photo from the Galaxy S24 and then you pull out your Pixel 8 Pro that's in your other back pocket and you use the de-blur filter in photos to fix it. 
easy done that's that costs you that's a fix that costs you twenty three hundred dollars amazing also samsung's <laughs> accessing all of these google a like llms they can't even get the blur in the samsung gallery app like what are you doing well also d blur like like i think d blur on the on the pixel 7 and, and and above is is like pretty impressive for older photos it it wouldn't samsung's motion problem is so bad that it wouldn't even help it would still be a blurry mess i don't know i don't i don't understand anyway i'm glad that i'm not alone here because i've been complaining about this for a decade now yeah and it's it's still the fact that it's still a problem is is shocking to me okay so i think What's also kind of interesting, like we talked mainly about the Ultra, but the S24 Plus appears to have gotten more improvements than any other device year over year. QHD Plus display. I think the displays on all of these phones have been improved quite a bit. Yes. Yeah, they all have peak brightness of 2600 nits and they all... Um, all have 1 to 120 hertz adap- yes, adaptable exactly. refresh, which is awesome for the base s And slimmer bezels too, which yeah. bezels. looks great. Yeah, they're... The chassis on those two are are is really similar to last year's, but yeah, they use they use slimmer bezels to make the screens bigger, which is always nice. Yeah, and I would say like, especially with the Ultra getting a hundred dollar price increase, like the thousand dollar plus seems like the better deal. I don't know who the Ultra is for unless you are really really addicted to the S Pen. Like I I'm really struggling to figure it out because like we just talked about how I don't think the camera is good enough to 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 qualify you know jumping up to this thing and then. The plus seems to have everything you would want. I, I like the, you know, it, they're very iPhone, but I like the flat edges of it. I'm glad the Ultra has a flat screen this year, but I just, I really think that like at $1,300, like you should really consider the plus unless you think you need the S Pen. I think there's two reasons the Ultra is still going to do well. And that is strictly because a lot of people, once you get used to that size, you never want to get smaller again. Uh, and so many people are just used to the Note series, the Ultra. Uh, they don't want to ground downgrade, especially if it's anybody who has uh, who needs like larger font or has vision problems. I mean, we're talking about a 0.1 inch display difference at this point. It, it it's it's minor. I hear you on the getting used to it thing, but for anyone struggling with font, like you will be fine on the on the plus. Like you, you will not lose that much of a of a screen difference. I think it's also a prestige thing. It's a oh, if I'm gonna buy this, I'm gonna buy the best one. And that allows Samsung to make a phone that is like not nearly $300 worth more than the S24 Plus and then charge that. Yeah. All I'm going to say, I can just th- I can just think of a lot. And I understand with trade-ins and, and carrier deals, most people don't pay in, in monthly payments. Most people don't pay this. But I can think of a hell of a lot of cool things to buy for $1,300 that is not this phone. That's all. Like a Steam Deck OLED is half that price. Like I just... <laughs> I don't, a Steam I don't Deck know. OLED like, I, should have a phone. I mean, that's really... What it, yeah, the only thing it, it needs, I agree. It should you should just be able to put up put it up to your face and make a phone <laughs> call, and it would be the perfect product. I put it in my hands on, but like, man, you could buy two Steam Deck OLEDs, the five twelve models, and have a hundred dollars left over for games. That's all I'm saying. I just think it's I think it's crazy what this costs. Can I have thirty seconds to talk about how terrible Windows is on a gaming handheld? Sure. Like, yeah, of course. I've had the the Lenovo Legion Go now for I don't know two months or a month and a half. Okay. I hate this thing. I hate it <laughs> with a fucking passion. Windows on a gaming handheld is so close to being unusable that it yeah. should be illegal to ship a product with Windows without throwing a mouse and a keyboard in with the box. Like yeah. the FDA 
the FCC, the CIA, the FBI, they need to get involved here. They just need to pass a law. I don't care how they do it. But honestly, I've never been so aggravated trying to use a product in my life. You cannot do anything without a mouse and keyboard plugged in. And I'm, I know I'm going to get people saying like, you're an idiot. Of course you can. There's a trackpad. You can pull up a, a, a virtual keyboard. Uh, then there's another person that's going to say, why don't you just plug in a, or just like connect a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse? You shouldn't have to do that to do basic things on the OS. Like just so, so bad. And it could be great because it's a powerful piece of hardware. Yeah. Lenovo, whatever the portal is called, they're like gaming game launcher is so bad. It's so unusable at this point that like I, I'm surprised it, it even shipped in its current form. Most games that I play have control issues. Some games have driver issues. The only games that work consistently well are my Steam games. And yeah. I just don't like that's just another notch in the corner of steam os and it just goes to show that like the steam deck was so much less about the hardware than the software experience absolutely because you turn on the steam deck and everything just works and i love love using the steam deck like you could put these two side by side and a layman maybe like what's the difference between the two yeah. and i would just be like sir let me tell you <laughs> Anyway, that's just my little rant because I, I so want Windows to be a better experience because obviously you can play games that you can't on the Steam Deck because of Windows. Or that you have to jump through a ton of hoops for. I mean, no, like it's really, yeah. really hard to get like Epic, the Epic Games store that, That's going exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. Without having like a Windows install on the Steam Deck, which I would never want to do. Like, yeah, it's the, the hoops are ridiculous. And, and I will say the only time that I've, I've had to go to, um, you know, desktop mode on the, on the Steam Deck is when I'm specifically doing shit where I'm like, what if I put a PS3 emulator on here? Which is like, you know, that's my own fault. Like that's, if I'm plugging in a mouse and a keyboard, which I have to, to, uh, you know, sort files around for, for emulators or whatever. It's like, at that point I am, I am, I have earned whatever headaches are in front of me. Like, like if you were just using a Steam Deck to play your Steam library, like it is, you know, maybe one step below like switch level seamlessness of like just it is a joy to use and you never it never feels like a headache. And m most things, even things I've even installed stuff where it's like, hey, this game's not supported and it still just works fine. Like they've done so much back end work to like make that experience great that the Steam Deck truly is like a cut above everything else even if the chip in it is not as powerful or whatever it doesn't matter because you're gonna have less headaches and that's at the end of the day like what you're really looking like you you're buying one of those things to play games and not to sit around in windows so exactly it, it also just shows like the, there's a parallel between samsung and google in terms of like software experiences obviously the pro the experience of using a samsung phone isn't nearly as bad as using windows but it, it like <laughs> When you're building everything yourself, it really makes a big difference. And when you are plugging into different APIs and like you really don't control an entire layer of that experience, then you get into trouble. And that's what I think is true of the Samsung Android experience at the moment. Okay. Any other thoughts on the S24 line? No, I really want to talk about the Vision Pro. Okay, go. So the Vision Pros uh, went up for pre-order today. Uh, it's already sh like pushed out to March or April. 
Is it's it really? I have, I have not checked. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they only... They, you're right. They made, made 300,000, like but um, that's still crazy. I feel like this launch snuck up on me. Like, they announced it while I was at CES or that it, like, the date while I was at CES. And I was like, oh, right. Like, it's time for that thing to go live. And they're going to have, like, limited hands-ons the weekend of launch but you have to like make an appointment and it's only at some apple stores in the u.s and and so the, the, the short answer is that i'm never going to try this thing probably because i don't think it's going to come to the buffalo apple store but i don't know who knows oh it'll come to the buffalo apple store oh yeah <laughs> hey listen fuck, who shouted did drake shout out the galleria i think drake shouted out the galleria on his on the galleria mall on his uh on his last album. So, you know what? We're, we're big time In now. Buffalo? Because we also have a Galleria Mall. The here. Walden Galleria was shouted out on, on Drake's. He, 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 there's a, a, he has a line about taking the bus to go to the Walden Galleria in Buffalo. Amazing. Yeah, shout out to, shout out to Drake, I guess. Oh, okay, so, so and I told Taylor this while we were at CES, is that I've kind of, my, my current stance on this thing is that, obviously not for $3,500, Probably not for more than a thousand dollars, but the the idea of I'm kind of in on this idea, if only because it is like a full computer, or if you can run full like Mac apps on it, which I I I to be honest have not paid enough attention to know if you can or not. But like the world where you, you cannot, can run, you can, well that's stupid. But the presumably world, power like use I, iPad apps, but not sure. not all of them. If they can get if the world where I can open Lightroom and I can take this thing on a work trip as opposed to a laptop and edit photos on a big virtual 35 inch monitor in front of me rather than my 14 inch laptop screen on a, on a shitty desk that's, that's always made of glass. And therefore the mouse I bring never works because it's made of every, every hotel desk is made of glass is a great world. And I want that. It, it's not here yet. And from what I can tell the virtual keyboard, like I'd have to bring a keyboard anyway. Cause like the virtual keyboard sounds really bad on this thing. But like, I see a world where I'm like, yeah, I'm into this. I, I kind of like the idea of it. It's way off. It's not this product. It's probably not even the fourth gen version of this product. But like, I'm kind of getting it for, from like a work perspective. That said, wow, the app support situation on this thing is really, really, really weird. Yeah, this does not shock me at all. I mean, part of it sounds like it's just politicking between companies that have... People are mad at Apple. ...a dislike yeah. for Apple's App Store payment policies, which is a parallel issue that Apple is dealing with right now because the Supreme Court refused to hear appeals in the Apple versus Epic case. So Apple just went ahead and abided by that one steering provision that allowed them to link out to third-party payment providers, but then also updated their policy to say that if you do pay for something that way, you have to give them a 27% commission. Right, right. So they cut they cut the roughly 3% that credit cards the, like they like cut like that's literally it. 3%. That's yes. which is which is what the credit card fees are roughly is it's 3 to 4%. So you might actually if you're if the credit card processing fee is 4%, might actually be on the hook for 31%, which means you'd be making less money than if you just had the App Store link. Which is very funny, but you're in control. Then that's really yeah. But like, all all uh, these companies want they don't want to save money. They just want to tell Apple that they can't control the experience, right? Like yeah, this this whole thing is so stupid. Like it is. But but anyway. like I get like you know what? To be honest with you, if we're gonna watch two or several big companies fight and and they're all bad, like sure, I'll watch Netflix not put its app on the Vision Pro. I think it's funny. 
Apple has kind of pissed off developers, specifically big developers, and, and they're going to be like, yeah, use Safari, actually. Like, go fuck yourself, Apple, basically, is the <laughs> statement that YouTube and Netflix and Spotify and a bunch of other... These apps are not just... They're not just not native apps, right? If you've used Netflix on a Quest 2 or a Quest 3, you know they've got that, like, fake... I mean, they've had it since the days of, like, Gear VR, but they've got that, like fake netflix cabin with a fireplace and a coffee table and like it's not even we're not even talking about that netflix and other companies have disabled the ipad versions of the apps that run natively on the vision pro and they also run automatically so you have to go and like toggle that off all of these companies have said not only are we not building like a native app for you but like also we're turning off the ipad app which is a step we have to take and I think that's so funny. They're so mad and kind of rightfully so about the 30% stuff and about the the lack of ability to link to outside sources to let people sign up for Netflix at the normal dumb prices as opposed to the stupid expensive dumb prices that they're going to just be like, oh, you're launching new hardware with a new app store? Like, absolutely not. We're not on it, which is a crazy thing to say about Apple considering like how popular the app store is and how essential the iPhone is for app support. I don't know. It's just wild. I'm of two minds about this, right? Like on the one hand, it makes no sense for Google not to put a YouTube app on the Vision Pro, right? Like, yes, it's a bad look for Apple, but I think it's actually a worse look for Google. This is going to be one of the most used apps on this platform. Like day one, you have Netflix and you have YouTube. Like these are two of the top gross, I mean, not grossing because you can't buy a Netflix subscription unless, you know, we just talked about that. But one of the top used apps on the app store, the iPad app is great. Netflix spends an untold fortune curating not only its mobile app experience, but it's spent an untold fortune on bringing games to the app store, right? Like they're abiding by Apple's rules. I'm sure Netflix would love it if you had to go into the Netflix app to download one of those games. But Apple's rules say that you have to launch each game as a separate app. So the fact that Netflix can't get over itself to put their app on Vision Pro is just like, I think, a combination of politicking and just like, yeah, being mad at Apple. But also, I don't think they believe in the experience as much as Apple does. Like straight up. An iPad app in front of you that has not been optimized is the equivalent of a Catalyst app being optimized for the Mac. It works technically, but it's a bad experience. And at the end of the day, like, did Apple give developers enough time to create a custom Vision Pro version of their apps? Probably not, right? This was announced in, at WWDC. They had seven or eight months to do whatever they did with it. Maybe some developers got pre-access to the SDK when it announced, but like probably not just for privacy and, and like leaking reasons. So they've had seven or eight months with this SDK. I'm not surprised some of these big developers are like, no, we'll just wait, right? And Netflix is not saying we're never going to put out a Vision Pro app. They're saying we don't want to put out the iPad app, which is basically just a flat screen in front of your eyes that you can resize. And I don't blame them, to be honest. So there's that, but th yeah, then the, you're right. There's also the, we just are mad at Apple and it's not worth our time and <laughs> use Safari if you want. The reason I don't think this is as embarrassing for, for Google as it is for Apple is because 
uh, and this is in, uh, found it through The Verge, but but MacStories.net put together a a table of 46 of the most popular apps in the App Store and went through and found whether they were going to offer Vision Pro support, and if so, was it a native app? And zero of the 46 have native apps, and I would say just scrolling through. I don't think even 23 of these are offering Vision Pro support at all, right? So it's not just YouTube and Netflix and Spotify, but like YouTube Music, Title, Instagram, Threads, TikTok, the New York Times, uh, the NFL, the MLB, Minecraft, Genshin Impact, Lyft, Gmail, Chrome, Calendar. All of those don't have Vision Pro support at all. And then apps that do, like Amazon Prime Video and Peacock and Paramount Plus and Discord and Reddit and so on, do offer it, but only through the iPad app, which means they just haven't disabled. Like, like maybe they will. Who knows? But it means as of, you know, a couple of days ago when this was posted or sorry, yesterday when this was posted, they're still supporting it. But like, that's such a huge shift from the iPad launch or or even the Apple Watch launch, right? Like when Apple expands into new hardware categories, like you usually see these developers line up and say, of course we're on it, or, you know, at least in some way, shape or form we're on it. And like, there are such large companies. It shouldn't be much of a shock to see that like Instagram is not building a, a native Vision Pro app because they don't have a native iPad app, but they're not even going to let you launch the shitty iPhone app or whatever. Like you have nothing. TikTok has nothing. Like, it's really weird to see specifically Apple have to deal with this kind of pushback from devs, I would say. I, I, I don't I, know how else to... I would call it pushback because you have to go through and disable this stuff manually. And, and a lot of big devs did. I think I have a slight take on this, but um, as somebody who has like dealt with like Android TV, not a whole lot of apps are for Android TV. And a lot of it is because... The developers don't want to have to deal with the support of, oh, this app isn't working on XX Android, cheap ass Android TV. For Vision Pro, we don't know how well any app is going to be received in Vision Pro yet. We don't know how UI might change as people use the Vision Pro. The only thing that we can see being somewhat similar is watching videos and big screens like for instagram i don't even know what you would do with that on the apple vision pro other than scroll through photos in bigger sizes but for a lot of these apps i'm willing to bet that they were like okay this is a basically unknown platform we don't know how to design a proper experience for this we would rather not have to hassle with people saying our app is shitty because we haven't been able to perfect it yet that might be, and yeah. I, the reason I say that is because Apple users expect everything just works. So yeah. if anything is wrong with anything from day one, they're going to shit on it. Look, I want to see this from both sides, right? Apple's taking a big leap here. It's an expensive product. Very few people are actually going to buy it. This is the most tech demo product that they've released in decades. Ever? Right? Ever, maybe? Ever, basically. Yeah, yeah like I, I don't, like this is clunky. I think the the things that I read in the hands-ons were that this feels heavy. It feels weird. It's it like, feels clunky. Yeah, heavy after like 20 minutes of use, which is wild. Apple's trying to control this, right? Like there's the marketing that Apple's doing. There's also the PR side where they had to take your photo in the hands-on experience because they wanted to hide the cable leading to the pocket battery as much as possible. <laughs> right? Like there's a pocket battery that you have to have attached to your Vision Pro to use it. 
So all of these things obviously knocks against it, but at the yeah. same time, this is a like a Gen 1 product that is not really, yes, the hardware is important, but I think the software is far more important. And the fact that like it wasn't until the iPhone 3G that we got an app store, Apple has learned from its mistakes. And not that it's easy to compare the 2007 era iPhone to the 2024 era of Vision Pro, but the company has learned enough about how people use its products that at least it's being a little bit more transparent about the process than it ever has before. And it's still Apple and it's controlling what it can control. Yeah, you know, I, I disagree with John Gruber a lot, but one thing he said in his post about the Vision Pro is that like this is on Tim Cook. Like if Tim Cook really wanted a YouTube or a Netflix app, he could have gotten on the phone and talked to the CEOs and negotiated a deal and they it would have been there. Right? Like this is Apple. So I feel like this is a decision that Apple is taking in stride because it knows that eventually those apps will be there if there's enough interest in the product and the ecosystem. But the issue, I think, and I don't know what the future for this holds. I mean, obviously, Apple has sunk a huge amount of capital into it, and they're not going to give up uh, after a generation, after three generations on it. But like a lack of app support, even with, you know, even if, you, if a lot of these companies are just pointing to the browser and being like, have fun, um, that can kill platforms. We've seen it happen, you know, countless times and and the idea that apple is you know i'm not saying that 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 a lack of app support is going to kill this thing but if the word on the first gen product is not just oh it's like kind of heavy and clunky and too expensive but also and then you can't do anything with it like that's a really rough start for from apple um that i ah but but here's here's the thing yeah. right when the iphone launched when the apple watch launched Apple services were nowhere to be found. True. Right? And I think here, Apple is banking on the idea that it's built up enough of its first-party media experience from like fitness to Apple mm. TV Plus to yeah. spatial whatever, you know, Apple Music to make that less impactful for not having native Netflix and YouTube. And I, again, I, I, don't, I don't think that excuses those absences, but it, yeah. it mediates them in some way. Apple TV Plus needs legacy content is the issue. Or, or oh, I, no. I, I, it, I, I would it, be more... I think what you need to do is watch season one through four okay. of For All, All Mankind, right. and then when you're finished, you just go I, back to season one and just rewatch <laughs> the whole series over and over again. The, the funnier joke is season one of Severance and then watch season one of Severance again, and then when you're <laughs> done with that, you can watch season one of Severance. Mine wasn't even a joke. Like... For All Mankind like is probably one of, one of my favorite I shows. I, I have not gotten to the other seasons. I did like season one. I love the show. It's so campy and, and like bad in so many ways. But it's, I've heard it's, it gets even campier than season one was, and I, I honestly am excited for that. But it was uh, I, I just I to be honest, the Apple TV trial I had ended, and I haven't. Do you want to be part of my family? I have one more spot. Uh, <laughs> Daniel, I thought, I thought you would never ask. I thought you would never ask that question. <laughs> We're doing it live, folks. Um, all right, let's let, let's let's stop there for now. Yeah. Uh, we do just want to also mention that Google is teasing something for for next They've week. They've got a new color. They've got a new a new Pixel Eight color. It's not even it's, like they're not really trying to hide it. No, it's mint, and I'm mad because it looks it's gonna look really good, and I'm now I'm gonna have the second best Pixel Eight color and not the not the best one. 
I really like the shade that they are are teasing here. It, it's it's gonna look good, and if you don't have a Pixel Eight yet, uh, although we we don't know, it the Pixel Eight Pro is what's in the color, so I assume it's definitely coming to that. It's unclear if it's gonna come to the Pixel Eight, the smaller one. So we'll see what they do with that. But I would I would imagine it's it's at least on the Pro. I want one. I'm jealous. I love mint. I it's like know. my favorite my favorite tech color. Yeah. So. Yeah. Also, uh, the other Apple L this week is that you can now, you have to, if you buy a Series 9 Apple Watch, it doesn't, or the Ultra 2, it doesn't have, uh, it can't measure blood oxygen. So uh, that was how that ended. Very stupid, very stupid ending to the story. Man, Massimo. Oh, Massimo. Yeah. All right, that's it. That's our show. Uh, send us some feedback, podcast at androidpolice.com. We do love hearing from you. It's launch season, baby. There's more stuff coming up, Will. Yeah. You're, you're, the, uh, you're playing. We'll have lots to talk. Are so you we'll allowed have, to talk about what you're what you're doing? I can't even. I don't what even know I'm anymore. Doing, we'll we'll have the S24 review done next week. So when we record next week, that'll be live on the site. We'll talk more about the S24. Maybe maybe we'll be a little less mean to it. Um, maybe I don't know. We'll we'll see. And then and then uh the the global launch of the the uh, OnePlus uh, 12 is next week, and I'm just gonna very 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 quickly check that the global launch date is uh public information <laughs> uh yep it is okay so the global launch uh of the OnePlus 12 is next week so we can talk about that um or you know we'll, we'll have we'll have more to say about that they uh i don't know you can go look at the spec sheet for that thing right now like it's 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 you can buy it in china so it's a little less exciting but that's the OnePlus way um yeah so 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 we'll have we'll have space to talk about that too and then yeah it's launch season like you said so who knows who knows what else is coming amazing all right that's it that's the show ara will hope you have a good week and i uh, hope you all listening have a great week we'll talk to you very soon bye-bye bye go bills oh god was saving that the whole time